Washington football team fans. I do this every single time. Washington Commander fans, welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. That's going to take me a little while to get used to. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, but back, we're back for a long-awaited episode. We've been going for about two weeks, guys. But welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast, episode 56. So I guess you can say this is our LeVar Arrington episode. Or our Perry Riley Jr. episode, whichever way you want to slice it. If you got any other famous, you know, number 56 is for the Washington Commander, Washington Redskins, Washington football teamers, uh, let me know in the comments. But thank you guys for tuning in to another episode, episode 56 of the Bleeding B&G podcast. And like I said, this is a long-awaited episode. We've been gone for about two weeks. And I'll give you guys full transparency like we're known to do over at Bleeding B&G. I had COVID, y'all. I had COVID. Um, I caught COVID... Um, about two days after recording our last episode, um, and while you know I was you know fully recovered after about four or five days, um, COVID is no joke, guys. Um, that is an energy energy zapper. Um, so while you know I was still tested neg- um, negative um, and fully fully recovered, uh, I was still you know tired um, returning from work and things like that. You know, going straight to sleep with working things like that. Uh, so I didn't really have time for the podcast, but I'm fully rejuvenated. And also, I wanted to wait because this was a major episode. Um, I wanted to wait for this major day. Um, so we were actually invited, the Bleeding BNG, my, myself, um, we were actually invited to OTAs today. Um, it was a closed session, so this session wasn't even um, wasn't even open to the media, and it's the beginning of week two of OTA. So this episode is going to be a short one. We're just going to touch base on some things that we missed over the course of last week uh, while we were down. And I'm going to give you some observations from, you know, the first person point of view because we were live boots on the ground at, you know, Inova Sports Park or whatever you want to call it nowadays today. And it was an amazing experience. So I also want to shout out the commanders uh, for giving me this opportunity um, because I I had an amazing time. Um, and it had me even more hyped and even more ready uh, for training camp. Training camp's what, about seven weeks away, and I can't wait. Especially if this was a pre- preview of things that come from training camp, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. So if you were there, um, I know a lot of people from our Washington football, uh, our Washington Commander content family. I saw a lot of you guys there today, and I know they listen to this podcast. So it was great meeting up with you guys again. It was great seeing you guys' faces um, over the course of, what, six months? I haven't seen some of you guys since training camp a year. So it's great to catch up with some of the guys. Uh, football season's right around the corner. Like I said in our last episode, um, the football vibes are here. It was blazing hot today. I have heat bumps all on my forehead to show my battle scars out there today. Uh, but it was an amazing time. Um, so like I said, today we're just going to touch on, you know, the start of football season, the start of the OTA session, uh, some of the news and um, reports coming out over the course of the last week and some of the things we saw ourselves because, you know, you want to get the most raw, uncut and honest um, analysis over here at the Bleeding B&G podcast. So, you know, this is what we're here for. This was this was our, this is this is our moment. This is what we were here for. We're, this is our moment to shine. Um, so to just touch on some things that we talked about uh, that we missed last week. Um, week one of OTAs, um, a lot of news came out, um, some stadium news that I'm really not going to touch base on. The reason I'm not going to touch base on the stadium is because I'm tired of, I'm tired of the ifs, the wits, and the what ifs. Once we have something concrete, um, my vote is for the stadium to be in D.C. While I don't think that's going to happen, I'd rather it be in Maryland, um, just for selfish reasons. Um, I'm not opposed to it being in Woodbridge, Virginia, even though that traffic on 95 is, is hell. 
Uh, but Dumfries, that's a no-go. That's a no-go, fam. That's a no-go for me. I know it's about 15 minutes past Woodbridge, but nah. That's that's about two more hours on 95 on a Sunday. And y'all know that, Virginia residents. Y'all know it. Uh, so while I'm still a proponent for it being in Merlin, uh, I'm not going to really touch base on it too much uh, because I, 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 just, I just want something concrete. We've been talking about a stadium since, what, 2014? When they were talking about a moat around, what, the MGM where we're in Oxon Hill, National Harbor site? Like, I'm over it. I'm so over stadium talk at this point. Uh, but to get back to the, the nitty-gritty, what really matters, the football, uh, Terry McCorn didn't report to training camp. Uh, didn't report to OTAs. Yes, this is voluntary. But this is something that we knew. Um, one thing that I don't really like about the media is that, you know, they hype this story up as if, you know, Terry didn't report this or it wasn't reported uh, from his agent months ago. Months ago. And it wasn't as if, you know, he's been skipping out on the whole offseason program. He let us know that he wasn't going to be there after the draft. And he hasn't been there after the draft. Like, why are we hyping it up? Uh, if you haven't checked out our Trade and Terry episode, um, while we're not proponents of Trade and Terry, that's just the title of the episode. Um, um, you know, that you know we, we think that Terry McClellan's, Terry McClellan's going to sign an extension, whether that be $25 million, whether that be, you know, $24 million, you know, 4 for, four for 100, 4 for 96, somewhere around that range. Um, but um, some thoughts that I have on it is that, like, I, it's just, you know, I've spoken, so, and I hate this bashing because they gave me such an amazing experience today, but I... I've talked about the short-sightedness of this front office before and of this organization, and it just comes to its head again in the Terry McLaurin situation. Yes, I do think that Terry McLaurin will be, um, you know, signing an extension. I do think that he'll be a Washington commander for years to come. But why isn't that deal done? Why hasn't it been done already? Why do you have to wait for a uh, Landon Collins contract to come off the books um, after, you know, tomorrow, which will be the, uh, June 1st, um, as a post-June 1 um, cut designee. Um, but why? Why are you putting yourself in this situation? Because let me tell you what this leads to. Because I think deeper as a football fan. I don't really think um, it's just surface level. Um, let's say that Terry comes out and struggles earlier in the year. A lot of the talks are going to be about um, him not living up to the contract. But then also a lot of the talks are going to be about how he didn't have the rhythm. Uh, and, you know, he didn't have the reps with Carson Wentz in the offseason. And then, you know, we're going to use this as an excuse. But guess what? You made this bid. You made this bid. I know that you had to take a, a major financial hit with uh, bringing in a, a $28 million cap hit with Carson Wentz. But you, good organizations make things happen. Good organizations make things happen. And you're going to have to eventually do it. And I don't think that Landon Collins' contract is the sole reason why we're holding out on a Terry McLaurin extension. I don't think that that's the case at all. And I just, I, I see it now. I see it now. Well, I think that we're going to have a promising season. Just in case we don't. Or let's say that we don't. I see a scenario now where, you know, Rod and uh, Rod will be talking about, well, you know, Terry, Terry and Carson, you know, they missed out on shit. We hear Jack Del Rio talking about how guys miss in the secondary miss phase two, phase two, the shorts and t-shirt weight room sessions and the virtual sessions of last year's, um, you know, media, uh, OTA sessions. And that was the reason for some of the defensive fall off, especially in the secondary. So you just know with this organization, and the and these are excuses that you know they want us to buy. But guess what? I'm not buying them anymore because you put yourself in this situation. You put yourself in this situation. So that's my that's my take on the Terry McLaurin situation. While I do think it's going to happen, I think that it needs it needs to be get done ASAP, like tomorrow, like tomorrow. Tomorrow's June first. So what are we waiting on? 
I expect to wake up and have and see an Adam Schefter tweet. Terry McLaurin is signed for you know four years, a hundred million dollars with the Washington Commanders. He'll be there uh, through his age thirty-two season or something along those lines. I need to see it. I need to see it because why are we playing with <coughs> a person that has sh- has come out week year by year, year by year? Terry McLaurin has produced year after year after year, and you have given nothing but shitty quarterback play. This is the guy you give the bag to. This is the guy that you set the tone for the locker room that we're going to pay our guys. Because this is a guy that's been a leader since day one. This is a guy that's been a leader since day one. And, you know, while, you know, a lot of the talk, um, potentially, hypothetically, um, if, you know, he doesn't match well with Carson earlier in the season, um, we'll talk about the lack of reps or, you know, him not coming to this session and things like that. I do think that this can, you know, be a positive. And I'll talk about that. Um, in my later observations, I do think that this might be a positive that, you know, he's sitting out of, because we know what Terry McLaurin is. We know what Terry McLaurin is. Terry McLaurin is a stud. Terry McLaurin is a guy that's going to give it to you um, every every snap, every rap. Um, so I just went, I just, I'm anticipately, anticipately waiting for Terry McLaurin uh, to return to camp because I think that he's one of our best players. And, you know, just having him in, in you know, the organization and in the building um, is good vibes all around for sure. The Deron Payne situation. I don't really have much to talk about with Deron Payne. Like we know what it is. I don't. I, I just don't like how we act surprised when you know these situ- situations play out in front of our face. When we know, when we know what's going on, guys. Ben Stanton told us um, a couple weeks before the draft that we were looking to trade Deron Payne this offseason, and that we were not looking to you know give him an extension past his fifth year option. So why are we surprised when he's walking off the field? Um, during team drills, this is a guy who's clearly unhappy with his tra- uh, with his contract situation. But what do we expect? What do we expect? I know I like to bash the media, but they 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 told us this. This is information that that is, that was known, and I just don't like how we get riled up over this stuff. It's like, guys, did you, did you guys pay attention? Did you guys pay attention a couple of weeks ago? And while I was at camp today, Deron Payne didn't participate in anything today. He just worked off on the side field. So he even did more last week than he did today. And I don't know if I'm the only one reporting that, but, I mean, what, what, what do we expect? Our two most notable absentees, absences from camp outside of Chase Young, and I'll be touching on that as well because, you know, we had that exclusive, you know, Chase Young returning to OTA's um, picture out there on the side field. Follow us over at Bleeding B&G. Um, but... Um, Two of your more notable, you know, players that are unhappy. Um, I wouldn't even call Terry unhappy. This is just the business with Terry. But Deron Payne is clearly unhappy. Why are we surprised when, you know, these actions are played out in training camp? <clears throat> so these things didn't necessarily shock me. Um, this is just what comes with the business of football. Uh, I think that Deron Payne is going to play out this fifth year. I think that, you know, we brought in Federian Mathis to be his potential replacement. If Federian Mathis plays up to his potential... And does some of the things that I saw him do um, today. And I know it was just, you know, shorts and t-shirts. But you can see some of the techniques and things like that. You can see some of the talent that's there. Uh, even in an OTA session. Um, but I think that, you know, if he can, you know, show some of his past rush prowess that he showed in his last season at Alabama. If he can translate it over to some, uh, the NFL. I think Deron Payne's days are number here in Washington. He'll play this year out. May get traded at the trade deadline. May not. And we'll wash our hands with him. I hate to do it uh, because he is a good player, but he's not great. He's not somebody that I'm going to allow to hold this organization hostage by any means. 
He's not Terry McLaurin by any means. Production isn't there either. But that's enough on last week. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is a bounce back from COVID, guys. But that's enough from last week. Uh, talk about today. Like I said, I had the boots on the ground. I was live from Redskin Park. Um, and, and it was an amazing experience. Um, so I, I, I saw the entire practice session from players walking out to, uh, to me communicating with players. Um, just I want to give you guys some keen observations of what I saw today. This is Bleeding B&G's first-hand report. Um, beat reporter Jalen here, um, JK, JK. Um, just some, some things that I saw, um, some things to look for over the course of the offseason leading up into the season. Um, I know, like I said, a lot of the other uh, content creators were there. So if you guys are checking this out, let me know if you agree as well. Um, and if you if you guys are looking for some things, um, I'll be out there at training camp as well. So this is the perfect time to let me know what you're looking for so I can have the eyes out for you when we have boots in the ground out there in Redskin Park um, again in about seven weeks. So let's just touch base with today, what I saw um, from the jump. From the jump, one thing one thing that I really noticed from the jump is that outside of Jahan Dotson, who is our, you know, our gem of a draft pick, our first round draft pick, outside of him, our entire our entire rookie class is huge. Almost all of those guys, whether that be a, a Brian Robinson, whether that be a Fedarian Mathis, whether that be a Cole Turner, whether that be a, a Chris Paul. Seventh round um, guard out of Tulsa, whether it be all of those guys, you'll stand next to them and they'll be you'll, you'll look at them like, oh my God. Even in NFL terms, those guys are huge. Those guys are huge. Now, I know I didn't mention um, Jahan Dotson uh, and Sam Howe because those guys are on the completely opposite end of the spectrum. Jahan Dotson is tiny. Jahan Dotson is tiny. But, but, but if he produces like I saw today, that size doesn't matter at all. And if he shows me some of the things that I saw today, like him being able to get off press, um, he didn't necessarily show it today, but if he's capable of getting, being, getting off press, oh, he has the 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 quick twitch, the electricity in his, in his feet. Um, the boy can go. The boy can go for sure. Um, and Percy Butler, um, while he isn't huge, um, he's kind of light, actually, for a safety, especially somebody who we're considering for the Buffalo nickel position, especially to be in a box. Uh, but he's wiry. He's long. He looks like he has the frame to add about 10 or 15 more pounds. Um, so, I mean, he's not small by any means. Um, so, I mean, <coughs> the, the <coughs> coming, out of the, uh, uh, coming out of the draft press conference and things like that, you know, um, especially uh, Martin Mayhew, he was talking about they were looking to be, you know, bigger, more physical and things like that. And, and you can see it with this draft class. Brian Robinson is built like a goddamn Decepticon. Brian Robinson is huge. Brian Robinson is a goddamn freak as far as just physical attributes and things like that. And he's lean. And he's lean. He makes Antonio Gibson look like a scat back. I was telling my buddy Tay over there from the Tay and Tom podcast, you can tell that him and Antonio Gibson, both guys are 230-pound backs. They hold their weight completely different. Brian Robinson has a long torso, has a big lower body. Antonio Gibson, while I heard that, you know, he did lean, he leaned out a little bit, lost a couple lost a couple pounds, lost about 10 pounds. He, he's not as lean. He's not as lean as Brian Robinson Jr. And I don't know if he just doesn't have the body to get there, uh, but they just hold 230 differently. And it, it's not as if, you know, the height is far off either. Both of those guys are around 6'2". Um, but as far as, you know, just as far as, you know, on-field play, Antonio Gibson balled out today. Antonio Gibson bought out today. You can tell he's the clear leader in the running back room, um, encouraging guys. 
Uh, while I think that J.D. McKissick might be the glue to that room, just because of his personality, he's funny. You can hear him cracking jokes with us on the sidelines, um, the coach, like even during drills, talking about, hey, coach, he can't get up, coach. They were working on the drill. He was getting up, uh, and the running back had to jump from their knees um, and make like a jump cut through a shuttle and things like that. J.D. was talking about, he can't get up, coach. He can't get up off them feet. So, you know, he's keeping a mood light. But you can tell that AG, uh, Antonio Gibson is locked in. You can tell that, you know, the um, drafting of Brian Robinson Jr. woke him up. Um, and both of those guys were one-two in each rep. And that's what I love from Brian Robinson. No, he didn't let, he didn't let you know, J.D. McKissick go in front of him. I love Jerry Patterson. He didn't let Jerry Patterson go in front of him. Um, you know, it's clear that, you know, a Antonio Gibson is the clear RB1 at this moment. But he was right behind him following him in every rep. Um, and he was working with the Warrington team as well. Um, so I love what I saw from the running backs. Cole Turner, guys, I don't – Cole Turner is built like a goddamn palm tree. This this dude is huge. He and, and, and He's huge. He's huge. A little lankier than I thought, and I see why he's not used as an inline blocker. He's about this big. He, uh, he's, pencil, he's pencil thin. But the feet the, – I, I thought he was a chalky route runner. I thought that, you know, his route running was a little congested. Uh, he's a little tight as a route runner looking at him on film, but uh, he's made clear improvements since his, you know, his, his days in college. Um, uh, just, you can see it through drills, you know, showing clear, um, feet and agility drills and things like that. Um, he had a, a route in the over, they were running over, um, the over route on air and things like that. And even with like a guy like John Bates, who's been here for a year, he had the most fluid route, um, coming over the middle. He had the most fluid um, catching motion, catching skills and things like that. He just plucks it out of the air. Um, so I'm really excited. I'm really excited um, for Cole Turner. Um, you you, you got to look up at him. I swear when I was standing next to him, he blocked out the sun. I wish I could stay standing next to bruh all day. Pause. Because it was, it was steaming hot out there. It was steaming hot out there. Um, but I, 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 it, 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 it was an amazing experience. Um, some defensive observations. Um, Cam Curl played a lot of the Buffalo nickel. Cam Curl played a lot of the Buffalo nickel. And while we have uh, been hyped up um, about Percy Butler, um, and, you know, he's been billed as the third safety. Derek Forrest got a lot of those reps um, in the post with Bobby McCain when Cam Curl was in the box. Um, and then he also had his fair share of reps in the um, Buffalo nickel role as well with Cam Curl playing back. Um, and, I mean, I... I after today, I will admit that I don't really see the use, um, or I don't really see the biggest need for the you know third linebacker because even today they didn't run much of base at all. And don't get me wrong, it is going to be needed, and maybe that's where you can use a guy like David Mayo in a pinch. But then you ran a lot of three safeties looks today um, with Bobby McCain, Derek Forrest, and Cam Curl um, all on the field at the same time. So maybe Cam Curl, maybe he has to be viewed as that you know that extra run stopper, something that he did um, really good. His rookie year. Um, one of the developments that I have noticed um, throughout the Washington Commander community regarding the Buffalo nickel position, you know, our favorite position, um, is a lot of people don't talk about how Cam Curl played that in 2020 and they did it really well. So I think that he can regain that form um, with him going back down in the box um, and have a guy like, you know, Bobby McCain and if it's Derek Forrest or a guy like Percy Butler, Roman High. I think that, you know, you get your best 11 players on the field regardless. And whether that be in a three safety set or three linebacker set, um, if it includes Cam Curl, you get them on the field regardless. Um, so that's one observation I saw. Um, the two linebackers that were on the field majority of the time were Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis. And guys, while I know 
that, you know, we were down on Jamin Davis last year. This guy's a physical freak. This guy flies around. And I know it's on air, but he gets to his zones faster than Cole. Cole may be nowhere. Cole may know where he's going. He may know the playbook better. But once Jamin gets there, <clears throat> once Jamin knows where he's get where he's going, he gets there. He's a freak. He shows every bit of that four four speed. Um, you know, tracking linebackers, um, tracking running backs and things like that when they were running team and things like that. Um, I think he met JD McKissick um coming through the edge today. Or it might have been Antonio Gibson coming through the edge today, um, on like a stretch zone. Um it, 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 it was a thing of beauty if you love good linebacker play. One of the reasons he was able to make that play, and like I said, um, even though it is shirts and you know, they were in, you know, Jerseys and shorts. You can still see some of the technique in that particular play. For Darian Mathis, held up two guys, going against the ones. Like, like he's he's about business. Bama boy through and through. He's about business. He's about business. And 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 to give you what you want, to give you guys what everybody was, to give you guys what you're looking for about OTAs. What everybody's looking for, a Carson Wentz update. Carson looked damn good today. And you guys know I'm not the hugest Carson Wentz advocate. Carson looked damn good today. And it's on air, so take everything I talk about today with a grain of salt. But if you didn't think we needed a quarterback, you're fooling yourselves. You look at Taylor Heineke and you hear Carson Wentz, they take reps side by side. Carson's ball is getting there a full second faster with way more velocity, coming at a different angle. I saw him make a sidearm throw today. Just because he was able to look through the line, decipher his arm angle, and get it to Antonio Gibson. Granted, Antonio Gibson would have got blasted, but it would have been a completion. Just stuff that Taylor Heineke is just physically incapable of doing because he can't look over the line. He can't. He can't. And, you know, you hear the pop when it hits a receiver's hand with Carson Wentz. Carson has a live arm. The talent wasn't there. I mean, the, the, the talent was never an issue. It's all about the intangibles with me and my issues with Carson. But if he can right those wrongs, boy, we are looking for an explosive offense this year. On about the third or fourth play of camp, he hit Jahan Dotson on a post that was about 65 yards in the air. I lied to you now. I'm not just throwing numbers out. Of, out. 65 yards in the air. They were on about their 15, and Jahan caught it at about the 30 and ran it all the way to the end zone. Like... That's just stuff that Taylor Heineke just can't do off a flick of a wrist. With not much, with not much effort at all. You know, we tried to get you the exclusive snippets, that you know, the, the, the exclusive clips and things like that, the exclusive video, exclusive videos for practice. Uh, but they actually told us, they told us to delete our videos while while, you know, while the uh, players were actually walking up to sign autographs and things. That was quite embarrassing. That was embarrassing as shit. But it was an amazing time nonetheless. Um, I still got my picture of Chase Young. That, that, that's what going viral over there on the Washington Commanders community. Check us out on Twitter. I still got my observations out. You guys seem to be loving that. And be sure to check us out because all summer, I'm back. I'm back. All summer, we're giving you everything Washington Commanders content. Film breakdowns. Uh, position breakdowns. Team breakdown. Divisional outlooks. Everything that you're looking for. Everything that you're looking for. But I'm very excited about this team, man. I'm very excited. I said this uh, with Richmond last year, but even like even this year, the, the roster looks different. Chase Young was working on the side field. 
And he looks a lot leaner than last year. I think one of the Chase's biggest issues last year, I think he got a little too big. And I don't think that was a lack of working out. I think he was lifting a little too much. He couldn't necessarily bend the edge. And he was not, he was never necessarily the most elite, you know, um, edge bender. But I think him playing at a heavier weight, he looked a lot leaner um, today. Um, and that's that's promising. Coming off of ACL where you couldn't do conditioning for a certain amount of time. Um, he worked over on the side field um, for a short amount of time before he went inside. Um, but it was good to see him, you know, building up that team camaraderie because, you know, a lot of you guys were distraught after it was reported that he didn't come last week. Um, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. I'm excited. And, no, I don't think that, that Carson Wentz is an MVP. I don't think he's Josh Allen. I don't think Patrick Mahomes, he's Patrick Mahomes. But, and I can't, I can't get in too much detail. I can't get into too much detail because they already told me to delete my videos. But there were about two or three plays that I saw today. They told me everything that I needed to know about Scott Turner this year. That man is going to be in his bag. Trust me. That man is going to be in his bag. Best believe. He finally has a quarterback that can push the ball downfield. And then when you give him a guy like Jahan Dotson, and then a weapon like Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel is all over the place. I can't tell you necessarily where he's going to be in the formation, but just know. Just know, he's going to be all over the place. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and it's not a hot take by any means because I do think he does have the fastest 40. A healthy Curtis Samuel is clearly the fastest player on the team, Terry McLaurin included. While Terry does have that juice, Terry does have that juice as well. I think Terry McLaurin's more of a long strider. Uh, he has more build-up speed um, that culminates in that 4-3. You can tell with the jitteriness of Curtis Samuel, he gets the zero to sixty like that. His 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 acceleration is special. He caught another uh, long bomb, about a forty yard bomb uh, from uh, Carson from Carson today, uh, and almost dunked the ball. Showing showing everybody, I'm healthy, I'm back. He even chopped it up with me when they were signing autographs and things like that. He told me, he told me, um, I think somebody behind me um, while he was signing my mug. Speaking of my mug. I got some amazing autographs. I got Carson Wentz. You know, I got Curtis Samuel, as we were talking about. I got Big Jonathan Allen, who thought this mug was his. Just signed the whole jump. I got Riverboat, Coach Riverboat Ron. So it was an amazing experience. But going back to Curtis Samuel, uh, I think somebody behind me asked how it feel to be, um, be playing with a, um, an Ohio State receiver. I mean, a Penn State receiver. He said, and he was dead serious. He said, man, it don't matter. We all going to turn that shit up this year anyway. He letting us know. He letting us know. And Curtis got that athletic arrogance that I like. If y'all saw him last year, last week, this man had been down there gone a year. He played about five fucking snaps last year. In his first OTA session in the following year, he tells the team, oh, yeah, I know y'all saw me flying around out there, last, out there today. Like, this, this, is, this is cockiness. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I can feel it in the air. Word to Beanie Siegel. I love it. I love it. And like I told you before, the, one, of my, one of the things that I love about this team is I see that we can beat you any which way. We got two 6'2", 230-pound running backs that if we need to pound the rock, we can do that. Then we got four wide receivers that run under a 4'4", 540. Who has four cornerbacks checking that? Let me know an NFL team on the roster. 
I mean, let me know an NFL team with four cornerbacks on the roster doing that. And if they are, who says that they're good? De'Ami Brown is coming back, beating dudes deep, and he's gained weight. If he can keep up that speed and add a little bit more play strength, you can see it in his upper body. He over there grinding with Akeem Mix in North Carolina. You can see it. You can see it. The secondary. I didn't really see much rotation in the secondary, honestly. Kendall Fuller was the outside cornerback with the ones with William Jackson. Benjamin St. Juice and Kendall Fuller were actually rotating, so it wasn't like he was Kendall was sliding in like earlier in the season last year. Um, but those are just some of the observations I saw from Cat, man. I saw from Cat. I'm excited. I'm excited. You got a guy like Carson Wentz, and if he can keep his head on straight, and he can, he doesn't even have to give you 2017 production because that was otherworldly. That was MVP caliber production. If he can give you 2019 production. We threw for almost 4,000 yards without a 500-yard receiver, just dealing it to anybody. I don't see why we can't win 11, 12, 13 games. I don't. I don't. Especially if this defense finally lives up to the hype. Finally. I know it's a lot of ifs, but I think that this might be the year, guys. I think that this might be the year. And I love what I saw from um, OTAs today. So if you love this observation, be sure to subscribe. Be sure to subscribe. Be sure to like this video. Be sure to comment. We're loving our interaction that we've um, been chopping it up with our YouTube family. And the interactions and the subscribe count is rising, guys. We're noticing it. And uh, be, I, I appreciate all the love. I appreciate all the love. Be sure, if you're not following us on social media, be sure to follow our Instagram. At BleedingBNG. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G. BNG. Be sure to follow our Twitter. Like I said, we got tweets going viral almost every day. I think we got about five tweets, three tweets today that got about 500 likes. So be sure because we love chopping it up with our Washington Commander community. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at BleedingBNG. B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. So there's only one G in our Twitter handle. Spelled a tad bit different. And like I said, we're available on all podcast platforms at this point. So be sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify even more specifically. Be sure to leave a rating. Be sure to leave a review. Let's finesse these algorithms so that Bleeding BNG is your number one content hub for everything Washington Commanders. All you got to do is type Washington Commanders in that, in that search bar no matter where it be. And Bleeding BNG is going to be there because we're aiming to do that for you guys. We're going to be there, boots on the ground. We're going to give you guys more content than everybody, more analysis, and the most uncut, raw, unfiltered analysis. So be sure to check us out on our next episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in to this one, and I'll check in on you guys later.